When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This week, we're resharing one of our favorite shows in case you missed it the first time around. Or go to singletracks.com slash podcast to access more than 150 back episodes. We'll be back next week with a brand new show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Single Tracks podcast. My name is Jeff, and today Aaron and I are going to be sharing our tips for becoming a better climber on your mountain bike. We actually had a very, very similar discussion on Facebook Live a few weeks back. So if you joined us for that conversation, this will just be a repeat. But for those of you who missed it, uh, we think this is really good content. So we wanted to share it in podcast format as well. So I'm kind of a weird guy because I like climbing on my mountain bike. Most people, I think, see it as a necessary evil when they're mountain biking. But for me, it's probably my area of strength more so than descending. So I'm stoked to talk about this. We're going to start off and kind of go through these tips in order of maybe ease of implementation, for lack of a better word. You know, a lot of people are going to groan and say, uh, you know, I know what I need to do and it's, you know, lose weight and practice more. Yep. Practice more and do all the hard stuff. So we're going to take it easy on you. We're going to ease you into the guilt and start off by talking about what you can do to make your bike better for climbing. So let's start with bike geometry. What's a quick rundown for what kind of geometry you should be looking for for a bike that climbs really well? Yeah, so basically, you know, bike geometries vary across a spectrum. And on one end of the spectrum, you have your cross-country race bikes with very steep angles and, um, you know, very nimble, fast handling, uh, cause that's what you want on a, on a cross country race course. And at the other end of the spectrum, you have enduro bikes that are really slack, have long wheelbases and, and that sort of thing. So basically, you know, a really slack head tube angle is, it's going to make it harder to climb than a bike with a steeper head tube angle. And that's because your front wheel is further out in front of you. So it's going to make it difficult to keep enough weight on that front wheel when you're climbing. And the steeper the climb, the harder that's going to be. You know, it's harder gonna, it's going to be harder to keep your bike going where you want it to. So if you find yourself in this situation uh, where your front wheel feels like it's wandering, um, you may prefer a bike with a steeper head tube angle. You know, obviously that's not, you know, that could necessitate getting a new frame. So, you know, that's probably not the most realistic solution. But there's other options out there. Uh, there's angle adjust headsets that you can use so you can actually uh, insert one of those and you can steepen your uh, head tube angle but the easiest way to do uh, to try to fix that problem would be to lower your handlebar height and that would lower your center of gravity and therefore make it a little bit easier to keep weight on that front wheel so a couple different ways you can do this if you have any spacers underneath your stem you can just take them out swap them around on top of your stem and that'll drop your stem down which in turn will drop your handlebars you could switch to a lower rise bar if you're if you're running a riser bar and it's got a lot of rise to it and you're 
having a difficult time keeping that front wheel planted on climbs, you could switch to a lower rise bar or even a flat bar. And then kind of in extreme situations, you could use a negative rise stem. So that would get your, your handlebars kind of down below the top of your head tube, which uh, works, you know, d- definitely works well, but uh, you do have the concern of in case of a crash, your bars could spin around and smack into your top tube, your brakes or your shifter. So that's something to, to keep in mind. Yeah, and these days with a lot of the updates to mountain bikes that are on the market, you know, aiming to make the bikes longer and slacker, I've been finding that the bikes just don't climb as well. And that's that's understandable. That's kind of that's how the whole thing works. You know, there has to be a trade-off. You can't make a bike descend and climb better at the same time. So just know that if you're buying a newer bike, you know, say you're going for me, I, I own a Santa Cruz Tallboy and you know, I rode the latest one and compared to my bike, it just doesn't climb as well. It feels wandery. And some of the tips that Aaron shared definitely help. But at the end of the day, you know, it just doesn't suit my type of riding as well as it used to. So uh, be aware of that if you're looking to buy a new bike, uh, that the bikes are different now and may not climb as well. Yeah. Apart, apart from the, you know, the, the head tubes getting slacker the the wheel bases are are tending to increase in length as well which just makes you know it's just more bike to deal with so especially as you start getting into tighter technical climbs maybe switchbacks they can definitely be a little bit more of a handful than you know bikes from years past you know you're also seeing as you're seeing head tubes get slacker you're starting to see seat tubes get steeper to kind of compensate for that um, to move you back forward you know while you're seated because, you know, a bike with a slack seat tube angle is going to be difficult to climb on as well. You know, this is especially true for people who are, are tall or if you have really long legs or both. Because the higher your saddle is, the slacker your effective seat tube angle is. Because if you think about it, you know, it's coming out at an angle. So the higher up your seat post is, the further back your seat is over you, towards your, your rear axle. And the more and more weight you have over that rear wheel, the less weight you have on the front Therefore, you're going to end up with that problem we talked about earlier of having a, a wandery front end. There's a couple things you can do. Um, you can you can slide your uh, you can slide your saddle forward on 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 the post. So slide it all the way forward on the rail so the nose would be towards the stem, and that'll help uh, that'll help you give more room to slide back and forth on that during the climb. And if you find yourself climbing really steep terrain regularly, you can actually angle the nose of the saddle down slightly and that'll uh, that'll help with those really steep climbs cool those are really good tips so moving <laughs> on to tires tires there's obviously there's going to be sort of competing factors going on here because on the one hand when you're climbing you're going to want plenty of grip and purchase to make sure you're keeping traction but on the other hand uh, you don't want such aggressive tires that they're going to be slowing you down and making you work harder, right? Right. So it all depends on your terrain, you know, what kind of trails you find yourself riding. If you're riding a lot of smooth, flowy, buff single track, then you don't need really aggressive knobs. But if you're climbing really technical, rooty, rocky trails, especially if they're wet, then, you know, probably going to want a tire with a bit more of a knob on it so it can, it can dig in and find traction. You know, like Jeff said, you know, overly aggressive tires can slow you down on climbs. Uh, you know, wider tires and bigger knobs are great for descending, but not always that great for going up. 
So one of the things that people do a lot of times if they're losing traction on a climb is to automatically assume that they need a more aggressive tire or a tire with bigger knobs. And as we'll talk about later when we talk about body positioning, uh, that may not necessarily be the case. It may be a case of just getting your body in the right position and not relying on the knobs of the tires to do as much of the work for you. What about tire pressure? How does that affect climbing performance? Well, it, it again, it depends on the type of terrain. But uh, you know, one one tip I'd say is if you know you're starting your ride with like a long gravel climb or a long paved climb, you can pump up your tires, put a few extra psi in there, and that'll help reduce the rolling resistance while you're going up. And uh, you know, you just want to be sure when you get to the top of the hill before the descent that you let that air back out so you have better traction. But you know, that only kind of applies to smoother climbs um, where you'd want higher tire pressure. If you're climbing something technical, you're actually going to probably want a little bit lower tire pressure because you're going to want that tire to be able to uh, you know deform to the objects in the trail right that's a good point that traction isn't just about body position or knobs either it's also about tire pressure so there's a lot of variables there a lot of things you can tweak to improve your performance so what about suspension a lot of people see suspension as an evil when it comes to climbing, that it's going to suck power out and make them climb less efficiently. Uh, but suspension can also help, right? Absolutely. So, again, it, it depends on the type of climb. If you're ripping up a fire road or a really smooth trail, then you can lock out your suspension front and rear, and it's going to make you faster. But on a technical climb, you know, same idea behind the tires. You actually want that suspension working because... You know, your, your shock, in addition to absorbing impacts, it's also pressing your rear wheel back down into the ground. So what that's doing is it's giving you the, you know, the maximum traction available. So if you are climbing really technical trails, it's better to either leave your uh, suspension in the middle setting, like if you have a, a climb sort of setting on your shock, or leave it fully open because that way the, the rear tire will be able to react to bumps and it'll, you know, it's always trying to keep that tire on the ground because you know if you think about it if you have your suspension locked out or when you're riding a hardtail and you're climbing something technical if you hit a, a bump and your tire pops up into the air then you know you just lost some forward momentum there so uh, it can seem you know if you're sitting there and you're one of those people that likes to look down and see how much the shock is bobbing it's probably going to drive you crazy but test it out for yourself on a, on a technical climb and uh, time yourself and see see if you're faster with your suspension open or with your suspension closed. I bet if the climb is you know of a you know fairly fairly good length, I bet you're going to be faster with your suspension open. Yeah, that would be an interesting test. I I know for me personally, yeah, I only lock out the suspension when I'm climbing like a gravel road or pavement. Uh, but otherwise, if it's single track, yeah, I'm typically going to leave it open uh, so that I can absorb those bumps a little bit better. Let's move on to pedaling. So there are some considerations for pedaling when you're trying to improve your climbing efficiency. Number one on my list would be to uh, really focus on smooth pedaling and pedaling in a circle. You know, I, I think it's a cliche. A lot of people say that a lot, but that's going to go a long way toward reducing any inefficiency that your suspension system is going to introduce because if you're not mashing on the pedals you're not pushing that suspension down as much and the more you can keep it smooth uh, the better that the suspension will react absolutely all about the smoothness 
So clipless pedals versus flats, that's another question that people have. Uh, to me, clipless pedals make it easier uh, to climb just because, uh, you know, I feel like I'm getting more out of my pedal stroke, though, again, that is debatable, as, as we've said many times, and better, more experienced riders can uh, get similar efficiencies out of flat pedals, right? Yeah, you know, I'm a big proponent for new riders starting out on flat pedals just because, you know, it teaches you better fundamentals off the bat. And, you know, whereas clipless pedals allow you to kind of cheat in certain areas, but, you know, sometimes there's nothing wrong with cheating, especially during technical climbs. You know, I like to switch back and forth between flat pedals and clipless pedals on, on my bikes and kind of the, the one area really where I think hands down clipless pedals have uh, flats beat is on technical climbs because if you've ever if you ever tried to climb something really techy with flat pedals if you you know you, you get bounced offline and your foot comes off the pedal well you're you're pretty much screwed you know you've lost all your momentum and you, you know you can't get going again so you have to hop off your bike and push the rest of the way up the hill which uh, you know it's a little a little ego bruiser but if you have clipless pedals you know you can kind of you can kind of cheat a little bit you know you, your feet are locked in so if you do get knocked around your, your feet aren't going to come out um you can track stand which is you know that's a very useful skill that i think everyone should learn you, know, you can go from a complete stop on a on a climb and restart much easier than you could uh riding flat pedals yeah, and that's a good technique for timing your pedal revolutions as well. You know, if you're trying to get up something that's high or, you know, it's like a log or a root uphill, um, you know, you're going to need to adjust your cadence so that you're not banging your pedal, you know, right at the worst possible moment. The other thing that I'll say the advantage that flat pedals may have for some riders uh, is the ability to bail if you're in the middle of a climb and you just totally lose steam. You know, if you're if you're like my wife, Leah, you know, and you like to pedal up until the last second until you just can't pedal anymore up a steep hill, then you're going to appreciate the ability to be able to jump off the bike quickly and easily. All right. So another tip that's sort of related to bike setup is uh, bar width. What's your thought on bar width? Do you think wide bars or narrow bars are better for climbing? Uh, I think you should ride the widest bars that you're comfortable with. I, I personally like something in the, you know, 760 at least for um, for general trail riding, and then you know 780 for for my my bigger bike. But uh, you know, I'm also six feet tall and I have fairly long arms, so that works for me. You know, they may not be the best solution for everyone. You know, something that wide, but I definitely think you know that there's a lot of benefits to wide bars. You, know, you have a lot of control during descents and for climbing uh it allows you to you know spread your arms wide really open up your chest and allows you to breathe really deeply so i think there's definitely some some benefits to the wider bars yeah and speaking of breathing you know it's also important to keep a good posture when you're climbing you know a lot of times we'll feel tired and want to kind of hunch over the bars and really you know dig into a climb but if you can keep your back straight and you know keep good posture it makes it a lot easier to breathe and you're not going to tire out as quickly. One thing that I notice about uh, like older cross-country bikes is that they used to have really narrow bars. Was that an advantage to climbing or why, why was that something that people used to do? 
I'm not sure why. I mean, I think that that's just one of those things that was there from the beginning of the sport, and no one ever really thought to do anything about it. I mean, also, you know, the geometry of the bikes was much, much different than, you know, you had um, much shorter top tubes, people were running much longer stems. And I mean, you see, you know, back in the day, a lot of racers used to run some sort of bar ends, some sort of like bullhorns, and that was to give them extra leverage on the climbs. Well, that's what a wider bar does. You know, it gives you that leverage. So when you're standing up and cranking, cranking up a you know really steep part of the climb you're getting that leverage so it's basically taking those bar ends and just turning them 90 degrees and making them part of the handlebar so um, you know we've seen even on cross-country bikes we've seen you know the top tubes grow which means you need a shorter stem comparatively to what you used to need and with a shorter stem you can run wider bars and you know still get the same relative handling feel yeah, that's one thing we didn't mention in our Facebook Live broadcast was uh, sort of the different bar options um, in terms of the bullhorns or um, some of the bars now that people are using for bike packing that have more hand positions available. But um, that's definitely something that's useful if you're on really long, sustained climbs, uh, you know, having different hand positions that you can go to so that you're not, you know, tiring yourself out unnecessarily on the climbs. Okay, so still speaking about the bike setup itself, uh, one of the ways you can really improve climbing efficiency is to get a lighter weight bike or to shed weight on your bike. Uh, What are some of the things that you would recommend doing to a bike to make it lighter and more efficient for climbing? The easiest way and one of the most affordable options would be to start with your tires and even if you just wanted to go with your rear tire first since that's your drive tire just switch to something lighter you know if you can get away with it on your trails if you you know maybe your bike came with a kind of mid-grade tire or maybe it's too knobby for your terrain if you get a faster rolling lighter cross-country tire that's going to make a big difference and you know moving from there i mean tires are easy anyone can swap them out at home and there's something available for just about every budget. So you don't have to spend $100 on a tire. You know, you can spend $30, $40, $50 and get a, get a better, lighter tire than uh, what you might currently be running. The next thing would be to drop weight on your wheels. And that could be done by buying a lighter wheel set or you could take your current hubs and lace them up to a lighter weight rim. Um, you know, we're seeing a lot of, you know, there's no shortage of carbon options on the market now, but we're also seeing some you know, really uh, relatively lightweight aluminum rims that are still wide, so they're still going to give uh, good support to, uh, you know, to, to tires in the 2.3 to 2.4 range if that's kind of width you want to run. But, yeah, anything you can do to remove weight from the outermost part of your wheel is essential because, you know, if you think about it, you know, it's not going with a lighter rim would be more beneficial than going with a lighter hub because, you know, the hub's at the center of the wheel, and you know it doesn't take much to get that going and once it's turning it's going to it's going to keep moving but you know the more weight you have at the very outer edge of your wheel the harder it is going it's going to be to accelerate the harder it is going to be to brake and you know you think about how many times you're accelerating and braking during a ride that really adds up you know that takes a toll on you and yeah so if you if you want to start saving weight on your bike start with the uh, start with the wheels yeah absolutely so now it's time for a little bit of real talk. Now, we, now we're going to talk about losing a different kind of weight, and that's body weight. So for a lot of people, to be a better climber, you really 
you're going to need to lose some body weight, right? A lot of people talk about how it's easier to lose, say, five pounds of body weight than it is to drop five pounds off a bike. Which one do you think is more beneficial, or do you think they're both kind of equally important? Uh, it'd be really hard to drop five pounds off a off of a bike, off of any bike, you know, unless you were just had some really ridiculously heavy bike. Um, and it would also cost a lot of money, you know. If you think about it, you know, today across all kind of like you know mid range and above components, there's not a ton of difference in weight, kind of until you get up to like the you know the XO one level from SRAM or like the you know XTR level from Shimano. Like you have to drop serious amounts of money to to start making any appreciable difference in the weight again wheels are kind of an easier way to do that but yeah uh losing weight off your body is gonna probably be easier it'll definitely be cheaper because you won't be buying bike parts and you'll probably be buying less food and beer so uh yeah it's it's definitely the more cost effective way to go um is to to lose weight off yourself you know i can tell you like i lost uh i lost some weight last year before i did the transylvania epic and, um, you know, just comparing it year over year, it was so much easier to get up the hills. Just, I mean, just 10 pounds lighter. So, you know, it's all about your power to weight ratio. Uh, you know, so give you guys an example. So if you weigh 180 pounds, which is 82 kilograms and you have a maximum sustained power output, which is your functional threshold power FTP of 250 Watts, which would be, that'd be like a, uh, really solid recreational cyclist, um, power output so that would give you a power to weight ratio of 3.05 watts per kilogram um so let's say you lose five pounds so now you're down to 175 from 180 which is roughly 79 kilograms you maintain the same power you would increase your power to weight ratio about to 3.16 watts per kilogram so that sounds like you know not very much but it's almost a four percent improvement in power to weight ratio and you're only losing 3% of your body weight. So I know that's a lot of numbers, but, um, you know, that's basically losing weight and and maintaining the same power is going to make you a much faster rider up the hill. And, you know, that's assuming that you're maintaining the same power. But if you're, you know, if you're following some sort of training plan and you're losing weight, like chances are you're getting stronger. So that FTP number is probably going to go up as well. So while you're weight's going down your ftp is going up which is going to further improve that power to weight ratio yeah that's a great analysis so my probably top tip has to do with body positioning i've found that for me getting in the right position when i'm climbing is the thing that especially when we're talking about really steep or really technical climbs uh, body positioning becomes key so basically it's a different way of thinking about balance so when you're you know, learning to ride a bike, it's all about balancing side to side on your bike and basically not falling over. But when you're climbing a hill, uh, the balance is, is more about the front to back balance. And basically, you're going to want your weight to be transferred directly down to where that rear tire is making contact with the ground. So what that feels like in practice is taking most of the weight off the front of your bike. So your front wheel is going to feel really light, you know, just kind of barely tracking uh, the ground in front of you while all the weight, all the power is going into your back wheel, uh, which is going to keep you from spinning out. And uh, it's going to, you know, make sure that you're being as efficient as possible with your power. 
one of the ways you can get into position for this is is basically you're you're going to be sliding up your saddle so you're going to be moving toward the front of the saddle as much as you feel comfortable with and a lot of times too i'll use the bars for additional leverage so i'll kind of pull back on the bars um, again and, and push that power right into the rear wheel uh, while taking a lot of the weight off of the front. A lot of people are riding with dropper seat posts right now as well. And the reason for this is that, you know, you're going to feel a lot more uh, confident on the bike when you're in a lower position when you're descending. But the opposite side of that coin is that you're going to be more efficient at climbing when your saddle is raised to the proper height. So it's important if you don't have a dropper post and you need to decide on a you know, position for your saddle. If you're having trouble with climbing, it may be that your saddle is too low, so you can adjust your saddle height up a little bit. And the way you can tell that your saddle might be too low for climbing is if you're feeling a lot of burning in your quads, especially. Um, I'll notice that if I'm, you know, if I hop on somebody else's bike and I haven't really checked the saddle height, you know, I'll notice right away that my quads are burning. And if I can raise the seat up, it feels a lot better and more efficient. You have any tips about body positioning to add to that, Aaron? Yeah, you know, like like Jeff said, you want as much weight going into the rear wheel as possible, but it's also a balance, you know, because you do have to keep that that front wheel pointed where you want it to go. So it, it takes a lot of practice, and, you know, everyone's setup is going to be a little different. Everyone's bike is going to be a little different. But, yeah, just try sliding around on your saddle, you know, move around, lower your chest, raise your chest. There's, there's a, you know, every climb is going to be different. So... Just uh, experiment with it and see what works best for you. Okay, so another part of becoming a better climber on your mountain bike is to work on mental training or to use some mental tricks uh, when you're in the middle of a really sucky climb. So one of the things I like to do is to look ahead, you know, and this works especially well if you're on like a fire road where, you know, all you can see is more climbing ahead of you. I like to pick out a point up ahead, you know, a tree or a bend in the road or a rock or whatever, and challenge myself just to make it up to that next rock. You know, I'll tell myself, all right, once I get to that rock, you know, I'll stop and grab a drink of water, but I just got to get up to it. And then what invariably happens is I get to that rock and I say, okay, I'm doing all right. I can keep going to that next one. So uh, it's kind of a mental game that I play with myself, but it, it seems to work. Another trick or an important part of that is keeping your heart rate at a manageable rate. Right, Aaron? Yeah, you don't you want to avoid spiking your heart rate because uh, you know, once you do that you can only be in the red for so long and then you're gonna to need to recover. So if you're in the middle of a long climb and you spike your heart rate and you still got a lot of climbing to do, that's gonna be that's gonna to be tough. So you wanna get into a nice comfortable cadence, you know, whatever that is for you. Um, you know, kind of you know, recommend a, a little bit higher cadence. So you want a little bit easier gear. You don't want to be mashing something too hard because that's going to spike your heart rate. And uh, that'll just, that'll help you get up the hill. And, you know, don't be afraid to take breaks. You know, like Jeff said, I definitely do the, uh, you know, pick a point and try to make it to there and keep going. And, you know, if, if it's a climb you're familiar with, then you probably are, know how to tackle it. Or if you know how long it is, you can kind of check your GPS and be like, all right, this is a five mile climb. I've got you know, one mile down, you know, four miles to go. Like th- those things can really be helpful sometimes. But uh, yeah, if, if you need to stop, do it. You know, I think it's better to take more frequent, shorter breaks. And, uh, you know, just even if it's just a minute or two, just to catch your breath, 
maybe grab a drink of water without, you know, while you're not gasping for air um, and get back on your bike and go. I think that's more beneficial than, you know, taking maybe just a couple breaks, but then being longer because that's going to let your muscles get really cold and you're going to have to, you know, jump back on the bike and shock your body. And that could, again, spike your heart rate. So, yeah, if you need to take a break, do it. Yeah. One other tip that falls into, that might seem like it falls into the mental tricks uh, is zigzagging up a climb. So this is this is a skill I learned as a kid, you know, riding single speed bikes, uh, you know, in the neighborhood. And, it, you know, it doesn't work for single track, but it will work if you're on like a fire road or a paved road. Um, a lot of us have done it before where either you don't have the gear that that's my problem is, you know, I'm running a one by nine or a one by 10 drivetrain and I just don't have a gear where I can pedal consistently and keep my heart rate where it needs to be. Um, so I'll, I'll zigzag. I'll go from side to side on the road. Um, and what this does is it effectively changes the grade of the climb. So if, if the road itself is at a 10% grade, um, and you're able to zigzag your way up, you know, basically create your own mini switchbacks along the way, uh, you can cut that grade down pretty significantly. Um, this is something actually that I want to test to, to get some real numbers behind, but my guess is you could turn a 10% grade into an 8% grade pretty easily just by zigzagging your way up. Obviously you're going to cover more ground and it's not the fastest way up, uh, but it is a way that you can, you know, make a, a climb more manageable and keep yourself uh, at a heart rate that's sustainable. All right. So now the part that nobody really wants to hear practice. So what kind of practice should people consider doing if they're trying to get better at climbing on mountain bike? Hill repeats. So if Yuck. I know if, uh, if that's what you want to get better at though, that's what you got to practice, you know? So long steady climbs, if you have one by you, you know, that's around six to eight minutes. That's, that's kind of ideal for repeats. Um, and this is something you can do, you, you know, you can do this on the road, you can do it on the trail if you have a climb that long, um, and you can do it on any bike. Like you can do it on the road on your mountain bike if you don't have a road bike. But basically, you have you know three different types of intervals. You have aerobic intervals, so that's where you would use an easier gear with a higher cadence, and that's going to help build your aerobic capacity and help with your leg speed. You have uh, muscular intervals where that's where you use a harder gear with a lower cadence, and that's going to develop your muscular endurance and you know really give you those ripped quads and calves <laughs> that everyone wants and then threshold so that's kind of like where you're going all out and that's going to improve your power so that's going to make you really explosive during those climbs so basically uh you know like an hour-long workout would be to warm up for 15 minutes and then do three by six minute hill repeats so you do a six minute hill three times and then you do three minutes of rest in between each interval. So you do the six-minute climb once, you rest three minutes, do it again, rest three minutes, do it again, and then you cool down for another 10 or 15 minutes. So that, that basically gives you an hour workout, and I can tell you, you will be pretty waxed after that. That's the good thing about doing intervals. They really they suck, but you can feel them working. They work fast. I mean, if you do intervals for a couple, week, you'll no, a couple weeks, you'll notice – in improvement in your climbing. I mean, it really is that that drastic, especially if you haven't done any training. Like, you'll start to see results immediately. And, you know, again, it, they suck, but after an hour, that's it. It's over, um, and you can go on about your evening. 
or your day. And then, you know, as you get better uh, or as you get stronger, you can add more intervals or increase the length of the interval, you know, as your training progresses. Um, but, you know, you want to use 50% as the rest period in between. So if you're doing an eight-minute interval, you want four minutes rest. If you're doing a 12-minute interval, you want to do six minutes. So, yeah, that's going to be more effective than just going out and riding a long climb at a moderate pace. Like, it's it's crazy. I mean, if you haven't done any training, you don't. it doesn't seem logical necessarily. But doing these shorter workouts that are more intense – will actually prepare you better for those long climbs. It, you know, while they, they'll, they'll prep you for that, it's not fully a substitute for doing those longer climbs. So that is important to go out and, you know, on the weekends, maybe once a month or something like that, kind of dedicate a ride that's going to be, you know, really focused on the climbing and really try to find some terrible long climbs and make yourself suffer. Yes. So one of the ways I've found to avoid all that suffering is to cross-train and that's this, still suffering. It's still suffering. Well, it depends, I guess, on, on what you're into. But this, I found that the cross training is probably more effective, or at least the type of cross training I'm going to recommend is more effective for the long, sustained climbing that you'll find on your mountain biking when you're mountain biking. Not necessarily the you know short, steep, punchy climbs uh, followed by descents, followed by climbs. That kind of riding. That's more of a. That's more of like a sprint, if you ask me. But anyway, I find that road biking and running do a really good job at preparing me for the longer sustained climbs because road biking and running, both of those, you're, you're constantly working generally. Um, you don't have a lot of time to sit back and coast uh, when you're running. So you're working more on your breathing. You're building your aerobic fitness, your aerobic capacity, and that translates pretty well into climbing specifically on the bike sustained climbing okay what about nutrition and hydration uh that's important for all types of mountain biking but also particularly for climbing right yeah you gotta be uh you gotta eat and drink you know that's that's vital to any ride even a flat one um if it's long enough i guess and climbs can actually you know especially if they're on a, on a fire road or gravel road they can actually be a great place to kind of recover and rehydrate and eat when you're not on the single track so you know it can be difficult especially if you're drinking out of bottles it can be difficult to drink while you're actually on the trail itself you know if it's really technical and you're getting bounced around chances are you're probably not going to want to reach into your you know back pocket to grab a bar and have a snack if you can wait to uh until you get to a, a gravel road climb that's a at least in a race situation it's a a great opportunity to kind of uh collect yourself and and uh top off your your fluids and your fuel yeah and that ties in again with the idea that you need to be in a comfortable pace when you're climbing you don't want to be you know gasping for air because you're not going to be able to suck down that cliff bar or you know even get a drink of water so get into a comfortable spot when you're climbing what about more pro tips aaron you had a a few of those to share right uh yeah we already talked about a couple of them but um you know if i'm riding a, a long exposed climb and it's hot out i'll loosen my helmet you know most helmets have some sort of adjustment on the on the back of them to kind of wrench down the fit um so i'll loosen that i'll undo the chin strap um, or if it's, I mean, if it's particularly hot, I'll just take the helmet off altogether and clip it to my handlebars for the climb. And 
I find that really helps me from overheating on the climbs. Um, I do the same thing if I'm wearing a hydration pack. I'll loosen the straps. I'll unbuckle them because they can, you know, I really, when I'm descending, I, I can't stand if my pack is flopping around. So I really wrench all the straps down, which can kind of impede my breathing a little bit for uh, for long climbs. So, um, yeah, just kind of loosen everything up. You know, you can, uh, if you, you're like me and you sweat a lot, uh, sometimes I'll, I'll take my gloves off on the climb just so, uh, you know, give them a chance to dry out. And I just hate that feeling of just like sweat collecting in my gloves as I climb. So that's another one. Also, uh, you can be like my, my buddy, Mark Baldwin. He's always, uh, he's always there with a, a spare pair of gloves that he's breaking out mid ride and making everyone really jealous. So he likes to do that, uh, just about on every ride. So he'll do that on cold rides but in the summer too when you're sweating through everything you'll you know you'll get to the top of the climb and he'll bust out a ziploc bag with some fresh gloves in it and you're ah damn it that was a good idea <laughs> yeah and that's that's the reason i'm a fan of full zip jerseys too because you can you can zip those way down on the climb to cool off and air out a little bit and then if you need to you can zip it back up when you're at the top getting ready to drop off the yeah, another one I just thought of is, uh, you know, glasses. If you know you have a climb coming up, um, you know, I have a really big problem with either sweating on my glasses or them fogging up if it's kind of a steamier day, which we tend to get a lot of around here. So I like to wear glasses when I ride, but um, if there's any kind of extended climb, I'll, I'll put them, I'll either stick them in my helmet or put them in my jersey pocket um, so I can see because there's nothing more annoying to me than having either fogged out lenses or spots all over the lenses i can't stand that and that's just gonna like mentally that that annoys me when i'm climbing (laughs) all right how about some quick tips for really steep climbs how do you attack those it depends on uh the length of the climb so if it's really short and steep um you're just gonna want to just go bananas on it you know you're gonna want to take as much speed as you can into it you know, and, and keep cranking all the way up it. And as you're cranking up it, you're going to want to be shifting. You know, you don't want to be, you don't want to wait until you're at the very top and then you're almost, you know, you're almost out of, uh, out of legs. And then you try to shift four cogs or something like that. That's a great way to break a chain or snap your derailleur off. So, you know, you want to be cranking up that hill, but you want to be shifting as you're doing it. Um, if it's a really long and steep climb, uh, good luck. Um, you know, I, for me, the best way to do it is just like, like we were talking about earlier is just to settle into whatever cadence is, is comfortable for me. You know, try to, try to, try to get your arms nice and wide. So your chest is nice and open for good breathing and, um, keep your eyes up as much as possible because you want to be sure you're picking good lines. And, you know, I know it's, it's something I still struggle with, um, you know, even as experienced as I am, when I get fatigued, I start looking down. I think that's just what everybody does. You're tired. Um, you start staring at your front wheel, and that's a good way to start running into objects on the trail that you you wouldn't otherwise. And then you're burning, you know, you're burning matches trying to correct your line and trying to get back on the good one and, you know, trying to hump up and over some rock that you didn't see coming. So, I know that's a piece of advice we always give when you're talking about descending is to look as far down the trail as possible, but it also applies to climbs. 
Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The looking ahead is is really key, especially if there are like short, steep climbs coming up. If you can anticipate one of those and see it, then you'll be able to carry your momentum through. And, you know, a lot of times you don't even have to pedal out of it. You know, we've got a lot of sections like that around here where there's gullies and ravines where the trail just drop in and then pop right back up the other side. So if you're able to see that and anticipate it, uh, then you can just roll through no breaks on the way down. And, you know, if all goes well, a lot of times you can just shoot up the other side without having to pedal. Do you have any tips for hike a bike? So what do you, is there, is there any way to make that more enjoyable or less difficult? You know, when the trail is just so steep, you're off the bike, you're pushing it uphill. Is there anything you've found that makes that a little bit easier? I know for me, it's, I mean, it's obviously it's uncomfortable, um, but, you know, I'll have all kinds of problems with losing traction on my feet to, you know, how do I, how do I actually, you know, position my body, like leaning over the bars or what am, what am I supposed to be doing? Man, hike bikes, like honestly, the, you can get better at them by doing them more. I mean, I know nobody wants to go out and practice, <laughs> practice hike. your hike bikes. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's not something I do. Um, it's just some of the some of the trails that we ride here, especially if I, you know, go up and, and ride with, uh, some buddies in Pisgah, um, there's going to be hike bikes and they suck. And the only way to, you know, to get better at it is to, to do it, unfortunately. But, um, some, some of the tips I would give are, you know, take smaller steps, you know, take more steps, but don't, don't try to like take these, you know, big full strides. Um, and this, this is what works for me. I don't know if it'll work for everyone else. I think my cross country coach told me that too. See, there you running go. uphill, shorter yep. strides, shorter strides. Yeah. So that way you're not demanding, um, as much out of your muscles with each step. Um, cause you're not stepping as far. So there's not having to lift as much weight as far you can. I like to walk on with, with the bike, on my right side so that would be the non-drive side of the bike facing me and i just feel that works better because you know i mean now we have you know all my bikes are one by but before you would have the potential to bash a chain ring into your leg or something like that but i still like to walk on the non-drive side of the bike and depending on how steep the hill is if it's if it's moderately steep i'll just grab the handlebars and walk beside it if as it gets a little bit steeper i'll have one hand on the bars and one hand on the stem. And when it gets really steep, I'll usually have one hand on the bars and one hand on the saddle pushing it. And I'll oftentimes drop the saddle as I, that, you know, then I'm, I'm not having to lift my arm up as high to, uh, to push that bike up the hill. And it also, um, you know, I also kind of sometimes lean my elbow on that saddle and take like a mini breather mid stride. So that's a, uh, and get yourself some good shoes with some good uh, rubber lugs on the bottom. That's uh, one of the one of the most crucial things you can do to improve your um, hike a bike experience uh, is have good rubber because a lot of um, it, we're thankfully we're starting to see this change kind of across the board. But a lot of kind of XC shoes tend to have very hard plasticky outsoles, and those don't grip for shit on uh, roots and rocks and you know, you'll find yourself kind of doing two steps forward, one step back. Yeah. One further tip that I'll add to hike a bike is uh, avoid 
putting your bike on your shoulder at all costs. So you might see photos of this, you know, like stock photos, usually of people that don't know what they're doing. Uh, you know, of people doing this epic climb or this epic ride, and they got their bikes up over their shoulders. One, most of us have full suspension bikes, and there's no way to get your shoulder inside your triangle uh, like there is with a hardtail. But two, you know, you're doing a lot more work because you're you're putting the weight of the bike on your body rather than letting you know, the ground take all that weight for you. And in fact, a lot of times if it's really steep too, and I'm really tired, you know, I'll lean on the bike and I'll be putting my weight on the bike as well. So if you're putting the bike on your shoulder, I mean, sometimes you have to do that because it's like a boulder field and it's really, really steep. Uh, but otherwise, you know, you got it backwards. You want the bike to carry your weight. You don't want to be carrying its weight up a hill. All right. Finally, any tips for really technical climbs uh again practice 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 so find the most technical climb on your local trail and you know ride it until you can clean it so we think about sessioning a lot you hear that word as a way to to practice something but it's usually thought of um, typically in terms of descending but you can also session climbs you can just like you can session a technical feature on the way down you can session that same feature going up and once you've mastered a technical feature and uh you know you kind of you you have your line dialed in and you can ride it every lap no problem you know you can ride it at night start figuring out different lines you know so figure out a different way to attack that same obstacle and that way when you're riding a, a trail that's new to you you know you'll you'll have that in your bag of tricks um you'll be better prepared for for something technical thrown at you you know for for the climbing itself you know you're going to want to be in a in a good gear where you can get a good snap because uh you know kind of the, the key to technical climbs is like you want to have a lot of power you want to be you know explosive so if you're in your easiest gear and you know you see this two foot rock coming up ahead of you and you're going to try to get up and over it and you try to you know stomp on the pedals to you know get in a couple quick pedal strokes to give you a little bit of momentum to get up and over it. If you're in your easiest gear, you're just going to spin out and you know you're just going to look silly and you're probably not going to get over the rock. So, so there's a lot going on here. You know, there's there's power, there's coordination, there's shifting. So so it's a lot. That's why we say you need to need to practice. Um, and you know, again, keeping your head up that's going to allow you to to plan out the best line. You know, there's timing involved, so you know you got to time your pedal strokes. You got to time when you're going to lift your front wheel up and over an object, and you know w- when you're lifting your wheel, you want to be in the right part of your pedal, your, the power part of your pedal stroke. So, a lot going on. So, uh, yeah, practice, practice, practice. And uh, you know, for the steeper and more technical the climb, you know, take them in chunks, like we were saying before, like you do on long climbs. You know, get up and over the first obstacle. Catch your breath for a section for a second, and then uh, take on the next section. Yeah, those are all really great tips. Hopefully, we've covered most of the situations that mountain bikers will encounter when they're working on climbing up a big hill or a mountain. If you're enjoying the Single Tracks podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you rated us in the iTunes Store or Google Play, and we'd also love it if you tell your friends about us as well. That's all we've got this week. Talk to you again next week. Peace.